Hello, fellow worshipers. Welcome back to the Linwood Worship Podcast, a podcast where I, AJ, share with you some thoughts about the whys behind what we're doing on Sunday when we lead our people in worship. So, as I always say, my goal with this podcast is not just to expand your mind and give you more knowledge. I want to kindle your passion and help you to be oriented more towards Jesus. As you may recall, we've been working our way through the liturgy of our church that we um, use in our worship services. A few weeks back, we have or we talked about the gathering, which included the greeting from God, mutual greeting, and the opening song. And then we discussed confession and assurance. And then last week, we had the week off for Thanksgiving, and now we are back, and we are going to take a look at the offering. In the past, it has been our practice to have the offering directly following the assurance of pardon. So in that liturgical location, the offering provides an opportunity for worshipers to respond to the grace of God, so displayed in the assurance, through the giving of their tithes. Along those lines, John Whitfleet, a worship theologian and a professor at Calvin, writes, The money given at the offering is a token and symbol of our desire to devote our whole selves to God's service in response to God's loving faithfulness to us. What's important to note here is that we do not give in order to gain some type of right standing with God or even to gain some brownie points with the church. Rather, we give in thankful response to God's saving work. So, in church history, the offering was an act of worship that was closely associated with the Lord's Supper. According again to John Whitfleet, in the early church, worshipers would bring forward gifts of bread and wine for use in the sacramental meal, and then any leftover gifts would be distributed to the poor. To reflect this historical practice, some congregations today bring the gifts of money and communion elements to the front at the same time. More common, though, is the separation of the offering from communion like in our congregation. This separation occurred in the Middle Ages. There was a period of time in church history where the church members were not allowed to participate in communion regularly. Instead, communion was practiced predominantly by the clergy. That's like the priests and the bishops and all those types of folks. Because of this, the offering was separated from communion. Essentially, worshipers weren't allowed at the table, but they were still expected to tithe. So, in our context, we've recently been participating in the offering following the sermon. This is not just a time-saving tactic. In fact, there are some theological reasons for it. And it goes back to what we talked about in episode 4 about Christ-centered form. To summarize that episode, our worship services order should retell the four movements of the gospel story. Those movements are creation, fall, redemption, and the return of Christ. So our liturgy as is, it does a good job of telling the first three movements, creation, fall, and redemption. Where we are weak is in telling the fourth movement, that is, 
the return of Christ. So let's talk about that movement a little bit here. We believe that when Christ came to earth, he established his kingdom. It's already here, but it is not yet fully realized as it will be when he returns. You may have heard the term in the past, already but not yet. So, while we wait for Christ to return and fully establish his kingdom, it is our work as his body here on earth to be kingdom ambassadors, representing the kingdom of heaven to the world, and to also participate in the building of that kingdom. Further, and getting back to the offering, one way to participate in building the kingdom is through giving money to ministries that are doing kingdom work. We have that opportunity weekly in the offering. So, in essence, the offering is a chance to participate in building the kingdom that is already here, as we also wait for the kingdom that is yet to come. And in so doing, we engage with the final movement of the gospel story, the return of Christ. So, in preparation for our discussion this week, let's go back to the original three questions that we were using regarding what was new in this episode to you? What's something you all already knew? And why does this matter for what we do on Sunday morning?